Welcome back to the Revolution and Ideology podcast. I'm Jared. I'm Nick. And today we are going to cover our favorite Zapatista story, uh, The Glass to See to the Other Side. We already have an episode uh, that kind of introduces the history of the Zapatistas. We're not going to necessarily do that here, but uh, just provide like a brief bio. This is a story that is credited to um, the uh, spokesperson for the Zapatistas, Subcomandante Insurgente Marcos. And it is a story that provides a very clear critique of neoliberal capitalism, particularly on a global scale, using Mexico City as kind of like the... the uh, I don't know the, 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 yeah, yeah. the metaphorical backdrop. Um, and he uses a character that um, became very popular during the peak of the Zapatista movement, a little beetle, like a, an actual like little insect beetle that he kind of like, um, he humanized for lack of a better term um, into like a little knight. And his name is Don Dorito. And this knight is characterized after um, uh, the the tales of uh, Don Quixote, Don Quixote um, by Cervantes, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, and so it's just like this so he's cute... like a beetle knight, right? Errant. Yeah, it's just yeah. a super cute story, but it's not just a cute story. Actually, if you read between the lines, so I'm actually the way we're gonna do this is I'm going to read the story, and then Nick, as the sociologist, is gonna kind of cr- break down certain points, or maybe he'll even interject at certain points. Yeah, and if you want to find this story, we'll post a link to it, but it's found in a collection of works by Subcomandante Marcos titled "Our Word Is Our Weapon." Uh, you can find it. The whole thing is on the Anarchist Library. We'll post a link to that in the show notes. Um, so anyway, like I said, one of our favorite stories, we tell it in classes all the time, um, to really like kick off conversations about what the, the ramifications are of neoliberalism, both on those that live in like the neoliberal like world and those that are just still kind of navigating around it. So anyway, okay. The glass to see, uh, to the other side by Subcomandante Insurgente Marcos, February, May of 1995. Cut from the universe side, a mirror ceases to be a mirror and becomes a glass. Mirrors are for looking on this side and glasses made to look to the other side. Mirrors are made to be etched. A glass is made to be broken, to cross to the other side. P.S. The image of the real or the unreal, which searches among us so many mirrors for a glass to break. That's kind of the prelude. And this is the story that, um, that he tells us about Don Dorito. Don, Mexico City. Dorito wanders through the streets adjoining the Zocalo. Sporting a small trench coat and a hat angled like Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca, Dorito pretends to pass on notice. His outfit and uh, slow crawl are unnecessary as he sticks to the shadows that escape the bright display windows. Shadow of the shadow, silent walk, angled hat, a dragging trench coat, Dorito walks at dawn through Mexico City. No one notices him. They do not see him, not because he's well-disguised or because of that tiny, quixotic detective outfit from the 1950s or because he is barely distinguishable from the mountains of garbage. Dorito walks amid papers, being dragged here and there by a whisk of the unpredictable winds that populate the dawns of Mexico City. No one sees Dorito for the simple reason that in this city, no one sees anyone. This city is sick, Dorito writes to me. It's sick from loneliness and fear. It's a great collective of solitudes. It's a collection of cities, one for each resident. It's not about sums of anguish. Do you know of a loneliness without anguish? But about a potency. Each loneliness is multiplied by the number of lonely people that surround it. It's as though each person's solitude entered a house of mirrors, like those you see in the country fairs. Each solitude is a mirror that reflects another solitude, and like a mirror, bounces off more solitudes. Dorito 
has begun to discover that he is in foreign territory, that the city is not his place. In his heart and in his dawn, Dorito packs his bag. He walks this road as though taking inventory, a last caress like a lover who knows this is goodbye. At certain moments, the sound of footsteps diminishes and the cry of sirens, which frightens outsiders, increases. And Dorito is one of these outsiders, so he stops on the corner each time the red and blue blinking lights crisscross the street. Dorito takes advantage of the complicity of a doorway in order to light a pipe, gorilla style. A tiny spark, a deep breath, and the smoke engulfing his gaze and face. Dorito stops, he looks and sees. In front of him, a display window catches his eye. Dorito comes near and looks through the great glass pane to, the, to what exists beyond it. Mirrors of all shapes and sizes, porcelain and glass figurines, cut crystal, tiny music boxes. There are no talking boxes, Dorito says to himself, without forgetting the long years spent in the jungle of the Mexican Southeast. <laughs> Dorito has come to say goodbye to Mexico City and has decided to give a gift to the city, about which everyone complains and no one abandons. A gift. This is Dorito, a beetle of the Lancondon jungle in the center of Mexico City. Dorito says goodbye with a gift. He makes an elegant magician's gesture. Everything stops. The lights go out like a candle extinguished by a gentle wind lick on its face. Another gesture and a reflecting light illuminates a music box in the display window. A ballerino in a fine lilac costume holds an endless stillness, hands crossed over her overhead, legs held together, balanced on tiptoes. Dorito tries to imitate the position, but promptly gets as many legs entangled. Another magic gesture and a piano the size of a cigarette box appears. Dorito sits in front of the piano and puts a jug of beer on top. Who knows where he got it from, but it's already half empty. He cracks and flexes his fingers, doing digital gymnastics just like the pianist in the movie. Then he turns toward the ballerina and nods his head. The ballerina begins to stir and makes a bow. Dorito hums an untrue tune, beats a rhythm with his little legs, closes his eyes and begins to sway. The first notes begin. Dorito plays the piano with four hands. On the other side of the glass pane, the ballerina begins to twirl and gently lifts her right thigh. Dorito leans on the keyboard and plays furiously. The ballerina performs her best steps with the pr within the prison of the little music box. The city disappears. There's nothing but Dorito at his piano and the ballerina in her music box. Dorito plays and the ballerina dances and the city is surprised. Its cheeks blush as when one receives an unexpected gift. A pleasant surprise. Good news. Dorito gives his best gift. An unbreakable and eternal mirror. A goodbye that is harmless, that heals, that cleanses. The spectacle lasts only a few instants. The last notes fade as the cities that populate the city take shape again, and the ballerina returns to her uncomfortable immobility. Dorito turns up the collar of his trench coat and makes a slight bow towards the display window. Will you always be behind the glass pane, Dorito asks her and asks himself. Will you always be on the other side of my over here? And will I always be on the side of your over there? Health to you until always, my beloved malcontent. Happiness is like a gift. It lasts for a moment, and it's worth it. Dorito crosses the street, arranges his hat, and continues to walk. Before going around the corner, he turns towards the display window. A star-shaped hole adorns the glass. The alarms are ringing uselessly, and behind the window, the ballerina's no longer in the music box. This city is sick, and when its illness becomes a crisis, it will be cured. This collective loneliness, multiplied by millions and empowered, will end by finding itself and finding the reason for its powerlessness. Then and only then will the city shed its gray dress and adorn itself with brightly colored ribbons which are so abundant in the provinces. The city leaves a cruel game of mirrors, but the game of mirrors is useless and sterile if finding the transparency of glass is not the goal. It's enough to understand this, as who knows who said, struggle and begin to be happy. I'm coming back. Prepare the tobacco and the insomnia. I have a lot to tell you, Sancho.
Dorito signs off. It's morning. A few piano notes accompany the day that comes and Dorito who leaves. To the west, the sun is like a rock, shattering the glass. Pain of the morning. Vale once again. Health to you. And leave surrender to the empty mirrors. Our favorite story. Why, Nick? Yeah, there's so many themes there. It's such a good critique, I think, of life in neoliberal capitalism that's veiled in like a really, really, really good short story about a beetle on the street in Mexico City. The first thing that I love about it is um, he starts out by talking about how he's traveling down the street and no one notices him. No one sees him. And you think that it's because he's just this little beetle walking in the street amongst humans. But then he goes on to say, you know, the city is sick and so on. And in this city, no one notices anyone. And I think that that's such a strong metaphor for sort of just the isolation that we all feel in this now advanced technological capitalist society that even though we have things like social media and so on isolation i think is a very real problem in our society so the most important thing with like marcos is we have to keep in mind marcos is writing in in the 90s like before Mm -hmm. we even have social media but like you can he can already see the writing on the wall it's amazing how predictive a lot of his works are we're probably going to do another one called the fourth world war at some point but it's it's it always blows my mind how predictive he was of what was like to come. Mm-hmm. The 90s definitely saw like a rise in technology, but it yeah. wasn't nearly no. like it is now. And this whole yeah. like this whole like we're all our own little island, even though we all live in these cities, like these like centers of like capital and and spending and and interaction and social uh, social interaction. What we're we're still actually our own little islands, and it's even more so now with like our little smartphones and stuff, mm-hmm. where we're all walking around the streets like this. Like that—that's what I think is like really captured here. That well, I think it's funny to think about this beetle walking around like through the feet of these crowds of human beings, completely unnoticed, but that every single one of those human beings is also hiding in plain sight in the crowd, and they don't see each other either. Why? You know? What is it about neoliberalism that kind of creates this like isolationism, this like we're all our own little island, rugged individualism? No, like, I think go, that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it's individualism, right? And consumerism and how we can buy our persona and who we are and our clothing and the cars and the phones and like everything to build up this individual person that each of us is. That when you're walking down the street in a crowded city, you're so in your own world that you don't even notice what's going on around you oftentimes. So he's arguing that this loneliness is also kind of like associated with like, it's not about sums of anguish, he says, but like, do you know of a loneliness without anguish? Like, what is Mm -hmm. the anguish? Do we just cover up our anguish, I guess, in this more advanced society? I mean, I guess, and that's what, that's the critique of like the city, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mexico City, that's the critique of the city. Like all of us are feeling some sort of anguish, but is it like, I mean, is it covered up? I think 100% it's covered up, right? That's why when someone asks you, like, hey, how are you? You say, like, oh, I'm good, right? Even if you're miserable. Individualism is so just rampant in our society that we don't want to appear vulnerable. We want to appear as if we have everything together and we are strong and we are, you know, we can do this on our own. Dorito hates Mexico City. And so this is like his last goodbye. Like, that's the point. And in his last goodbye, he he stumbles across, like, this shop with the ballerina in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, 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 the little... Music box. Music box with the ballerina inside and she'll Mm -hmm. twirl once like you wind it up and so on and so forth. Like what do you think she symbolizes? She's on the other side of glass. Clearly Mm -hmm. glass is is important to this metaphor here. What does the glass as well as her, what do they symbolize? Yeah, I think the glass is like the divider clearly, but I think it's 
it's important that it's glass because he can see through it, right? So it's this transparent divider that I like to think oftentimes sort of means that like we can see the other side. We're just powerless to get there. And I think that's the magic of the story is that Don Dorito breaks that barrier. And I think the other side, the ballerina represents like the magic of and the happiness he talks about specifically at the end of a, a sort of an innocence, a life that is not, you know, on this side of the glass, that isn't the neoliberal capitalism in this sit, sick city. It's sort of the pure, innocent, magical, happy life that could be, that we can see through the transparent barrier, but we can't get there. But he gets through that barrier at first just with like this piano song. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't, there's, I, we could argue it's a nonviolent or something way, uh, yep. maybe there's a message there, but like it is through art in yeah, this art, case music. art yep. language like this this different form of communication mm-hmm. i mean again it comes from a book literally called our word is a weapon right yeah. like but like it, that's how he's able to break this divide and provide mm-hmm. her with just a little bit of a reprieve from her prison is what he yep. calls it right her mm-hmm. little bit of a prison and she begins to dance and she loves this gift why are these things and he even says this is my favorite quote perhaps in all of literature it's up there with a couple of roomy quotes but like happiness lasts for a moment and it's worth it Mm-hmm. What do you think Marcos is going after here? Again, using like, like, what is he saying about these like little bits and pieces of of happiness or reprieve that we get to feel in our day to day lives in a modern industrial society? What's he saying? Well, I mean, even for Marcos, who's like a legit revolutionary, right? He's fighting hard for these little brief moments of happiness that we all have to fight for, even if we're not revolutionaries living in the jungle, and that that struggle is worth it. It's worth that struggle for these fleeting moments of happiness, I would add, because that's really all there is. And you're providing this release for those that might not have the opportunity, i.e. this ballerina, this metaphorical ballerina mm-hmm. in a, a the prison of her music box in the prison of the store. Yep. But then, of course, we find out that like she's out, like someone broke in or she broke out of the 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 store right like yeah, the glass is cracked and Doritos pissed right yeah. like he's just like this he goes back to saying the city is sick mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that like her release from this music box and the store that she's in yeah I mean I like the symbolism that the glass is broken now right Dorito was able to penetrate it like you said using art in this case the song that he plays on his little tiny piano but that somehow in the end the glass is broken violently right and right yeah he has thoughts about that so I think I've always thought that that was a very interesting part of it he asked the very famous question, will you always be on the other side of my over here? And will I always be on this side of your over there? It's another one of the more profound quotes mm-hmm. in this story. What do you yeah, think like, of that? Yeah, like, will we always be divided? Will you always be over there viewing me, right, as over here and so on? Will we always be divided? Will this barrier always be between us as individuals? Will it always be between us as you know, cogs in the capitalist machine and perhaps some kind of liberation, perhaps something right. better. Will that always be the case? There's an interesting quote that comes to like the prelude to this story that we didn't read, but it's something along the lines. And again, I'm paraphrasing here. So if I get it wrong, forgive me. But like Dorito more or less says regarding like neoliberalism and he's having a conversation with Marcos. It's kind of a cute little story that they have It's in a letter. But long story short, Dorito, when considering like the plague of neoliberal, neoliberalism on a global scale, he says something along the lines of only when it becomes like a, a actual 
like a disaster, will the patient be cured or an actual mm-hmm. like disease, will the patient be cured right. or something along those lines. And again, I'm paraphrasing it because I don't have it in, in front of me right now. But he's basically saying we will never fix this and be, until it becomes so disastrous that we have no choice, that everything we're doing regarding like small scale reformative social movement, which is what most people are doing, uh, unlike the Zapatistas who are not, they're going further, but like everyone mm-hmm. else is doing these. Those are just mere band-aids to like broken bones. They are absolutely useless. And oftentimes they just create more inclusivity in the exploitative practices of capitalism. So anytime another uh, outgroup is included in, that means another outgroup is created because that's the way that the system works. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? That this is this sort of disaster capitalism, I've heard it called, especially in like environmental justice courses and things along those lines, that this is like we can't actually fix it until it's so broken that we have no choice. Does that, is that kind of pessimistic in a way? Like, I guess. I would frame it slightly differently. I don't think that, like, we won't fix it until it's so broken we don't have a choice. I think that we won't fix it until it's so broken that it cannot be fixed and that we are forced to choose an alternate way of living. There is no fixing the system. I mean, that's completely out, right? But most people won't get to that point, that way of thinking and viewing the world until it's so broken that there it's absolutely like literally impossible to go back. That's my opinion. Very good. But like you said, definitely like cynical and pessimistic. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm optimistic because I think that it's possible to get to something better, but I'm pessimistic and it's going to have to get much, much worse before most people get there. All right. Well, that was our favorite, uh, one of our favorite Zapatista stories. We're actually probably going to do a handful as we kind of like build up our Zapatista content a little bit. Uh, We think they're kind of getting overlooked a little bit now and they Mm -hmm. are inarguably are not just this isn't just our favorite story but the group the ejercito zapatista de liberation nacional is one of our favorite revolutionary groups to talk about who are still doing amazing things to this day as we record this in uh in the southernmost state of mexico chiapas so we'll continue to in this series um i don't even know if it's a series that we're going to officially title but we'll continue talking about them in various episodes moving forward in the future um that's all i have a glass to see on the other side by subcomandante insurante marcos anything else nick yeah you can find us online revolutionandideology.com we are on twitter you can contact us there at rev and ideology um if you like what we are doing if you're listening to this in your podcast app Uh, subscribe and leave us a rating that would really help us to find more listeners if you're watching this on youtube like our video leave a comment and subscribe and share us with your friends if you really really like what we're doing you can support us on patreon we are on patreon.com slash revolution and ideology that's it i'm nick jared later